coming off a great episode with Todd McCullough, uh, a person and a gentleman who's become a friend over the years. But when I was younger and rolling to the Agrodome, watching watching the future ballers play, a uh, guy that I looked up to, Corbs jokingly as we hit record, said, you know, a Filipino legend in the community. Um, for a lot of Filipino ballers, all seriousness, uh, the one of the smoothest guys I've had the chance to play with, had the opportunity at Dolphin Park a couple times. Um, a lefty, great dude, and we are so thrilled to have Gerald Cole on with us this evening. How are you, sir? I'm great, Mitch. Uh, thanks so much for having me. Uh, certainly uh, an honor to to be invited on your on your podcast. I do, though, however, have to make a correction out of the gates here. Um, although Whoa. I did play in the Filipino Filipino Basketball League back in the day, I'm actually uh, part Chinese, not not Filipino. Wow. So, um, yeah. Corbin's and, crying. Uh, that's not the first time, Mitch. <laughs> so, Corbin's um, crying. Does my it change your opinion? No. <laughs> it's actually funny. I saw some highlights of uh, like a Filipino league, and like I'd say two out of the 10 guys on the court actually looked like they were Filipino. So, how did you, how did, how does one pull that off, anyways? Go, let, like, let's just jump right into that. How does that happen? That's that's a good question. And, you know, when I was putting together sort of my bio um, for you, um, I completely forgot that I actually played in this Filipino league for a couple of years. And um, it was actually through a, a grad of STM back in the day, Renato. I don't know if you were... Well, Don would know who Renato is, and he got me involved. Um in the in the uh, Filipino league and I played oh, okay. for a couple of, couple seasons so uh-huh. well I was back in high school apparently some of the Filipinos want to claim you is are you are you okay with that I'm, I'm good with that Mitch <laughs> <laughs> thanks for being with us man excited for this episode like I've mentioned you know there's uh many different connections whether it be through friends of mine through high school basketball um through my brother even you know so um, and your and your story is a great one. Let's just quickly check in with you. How are things? Um, you know, you're a you're a you're a business guy. You're a forward thinking guy. You're a hard worker in terms of uh, you know what you do in terms of your work life. And and how has that been for you? And and you know, obviously in BC we had a, had a bit of an up and down with this COVID thing. You've got two daughters. And how has everybody been juggling things? Um, you know, on your end. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, it's been very hectic for sure. And there's been a lot of change uh, since March uh, for myself professionally, but also, you know, of course, you know, as a father, um, you know, from a business standpoint, uh, you know, I, I have a software company. We're in the insurance space. And, uh, you know, March 13th, we we shut the doors to our, to our office. And I had actually just recently took on a five-year lease um, you know, with, with, with my officer five year term. And, um, you know, this was nine months into that lease. And so, you know, right away we shut the doors, everyone started working remotely from home and ultimately come July, we made the decision to continue to work, uh, from home, um, in the just distributed way indefinitely. So just recently have I subleased out my space to a, to a, subtenant and um you know was really happy to kind of offload that expense 
but so that's just one of the many changes we've had to make uh, during COVID. You know, because we're in the technology sector, you know, uh, we feel that uh, you know we've we've been able to um, you know survive and in some some ways uh, get a little ahead because of the because of the pandemic. Um, but certainly, there's been a lot of change for us operationally. So, and then from a family standpoint, um, you know, my daughters, daughters are doing great. Um, unfortunately, I'm actually self-isolating right now. My uh, oldest daughter, Kenzie, one of her classmates uh, and friend tested positive last week. And so she was kind of part of that inner circle that I had to go home and isolate for 14 days. So I think we're on day nine or so. Yeah. Um, no, with that. So, um, but overall, I, you know, things are going well. I can't complain to be honest, Mitch. Good. Good to hear that, man. I like to hear the positive attitude and yeah, I, uh, it's gotta be about four weeks now ago that I just got sent home from work too. There was a group of us just that they thought maybe there was an exposure at our school and we were kind of just being proactive with it. And it was very thankful for our principal to be proactive with it and went home and everything was okay. But I didn't, you know, hadn't really had that affect me directly yet. And like the thing that I really took away was the trickle down from it all, you know, and I don't know if you've experienced that too, but realizing like, it's not just someone getting it, it's like me or you getting it. It's if someone in our circle gets it or, you know, and then that trickle down, I was like, wow, this really touches on a lot of people. You know what I mean? And I don't know if you felt that at all, but I, I definitely had a moment where I was sitting there on the, I got sent home on the Thursday and it was Friday and I was sitting at home and I was like, man, this is, this is crazy. Right. It's just such a wild time. Right. Yeah. You know, I, especially now I think, you know, with this second wave hitting, certainly for me, you know, there are, there are people that um, I know, you know, or you know, friends of people I know who have tested positive. And so it certainly uh, feels closer to you right the, the whole whole pandemic um so you know i think uh all we can do is kind of continue to i think do do our part um you know personally and as a family to stay safe and and at some point this will be over What was life like for you as a little guy, a young guy running around and, and, and what were the sports that you were involved in? Obviously, you know, you were a super gifted athlete and you could tell that, you know, just how you moved on the court and kind of your vision and your ability to, to read the court from a point guard, sort of shooting guard position. Um, you know, was there a reason for that? Were there a bunch of things or was basketball kind of the only thing you did when you were younger? Yeah, no, growing up, I, I played a lot of different sports. Um, I, I think not not so different than, than, uh, most of us, uh, growing up, you know, you soccer, the one sport I did not end up ever playing is ice hockey for whatever reason. I, I think my, my mom felt it was a little too violent, although I did end up playing football for most of my, uh, teenage years. Um, but yeah, I mean, growing up, I was a really active kid and, and ultimately I think my, parents, uh, specifically my mom, uh, wanted, wanted me to get out of her hair. So I think she <laughs> tried to enroll me in, in as many sports as possible. So I played baseball, soccer, I even played football in grade four for a year with the GSL league here on the North shore. Um, 
And uh, basketball, it was probably grade three or four that I started picking it, picking up the sport. Fell in love with uh, with it right away. Um, and I'm sure, you know, John Dumont, my closest friend ever, um, you know, a lot of my story kind of runs parallel with his. Um, you know, we both uh, picked up the, you know, the basketball at the same time. And, and that kind of bonded us as friends moving forward, you know, from grade three onwards. Um, and, you know, we still played, I still played other sports throughout elementary school and high school, but it was really my true love and passion um, was basketball. And I knew that, you know, you know, in the third grade. And um, so that's when you, is that when you got introduced to Johnny was grade three or was it sometime after that? Yeah. So, so yeah, I uh, went to Vancouver college for 11 years and uh, so showed up. Uh, my first year was in grade two and um, that's when I first met uh, Johnny. And, um, we just, we just clicked right away. You know, he was as active as I was back then. And, uh, you know, right. Starting from that point on right through to graduation, you know, uh, it was the beginning of getting in a lot of trouble with <laughs> teachers over the years and, and playing a lot of basketball together and against each other in that order. So, or? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, that's that's a good question, Mitch. I'm not sure if we got uh, we su- succeeded more at uh, getting in trouble or on the basketball court. I'm not sure. Well, let's just put it like this: you, when you do get the opportunity to go back to Vancouver College, I'm sure you walk in and feel welcomed, right? So I'm sure that uh, you know you were loved more than you were maybe disliked. Not that teachers would play favorites or anything, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yes. Yeah, that's a good way yeah. of measuring, measuring our experience, <laughs> our impact on others. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool, man. And I'm glad that you, you know, you, you jumped into that part of it early on because, you know, it's your story, but I think like, you know, it was like, if John were still with us today, like you guys have always kind of gone hand in hand, you know what I mean? So, you know, if it was his podcast, he would probably be mentioning right. you and it was, and now it's yours and you're mentioning him and, you know, I think anybody that knows you guys know uh, the trouble that you were both on and off the court, as you so elegantly put it. So what was Vancouver College like for you? And, you know, I think I think there's, you know, a lot of times maybe some people think and obviously us being at St. Thomas More, being a Christian brother school and understanding that there's more to the education than then just books and athletics. You know, it's you know, there is a religious aspect, but there also is the Christian brother aspect in terms of service and things like that. And um, you know, I think VC kind of gets a tough label sometimes in terms of, you know, wanting drawing kids because it's an independent school and, you know, we feel the same thing, but talk about your experience and your time there. I know it's a long period of time or you started there in grade two, but obviously it was a huge part of your life. And anybody that I've ever met that, that attended Vancouver college, you know, like Mark Watson house yourself, like all these guys, like it, it was a very special place for them. And, and just you know, shed a little light on your experience there. I think it's important for people to hear. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, number one, and most importantly, uh, you know, it, uh, it really is a brotherhood and, and even to this day, um, I'm 45 years old and some of my closest friends are still folks that I went to school with back, back at Vancouver college. And, you know, 
grad uh, folks that graduated ahead of us, um, you know, meet them for the first time. You, you feel that connection, um, you know, the Vancouver College connection. Uh, so, you know, first and foremost, you know, that that connection with others um, is very strong. Uh, it was just a great school to be at. And I think the energy, um, not just uh, amongst your peers, but from an athletic standpoint, you know, I think uh, the teachers and the coaches, um, you know, that dedicated so much time and effort, uh, put so much time and effort into us student athletes was really, really incredible. And I have a lot to owe to um, all of my coaches, uh, you know, through those years, you know, it really helped shape the person that I've become. So, you know, I wouldn't trade it in, uh, trade it in for anything. And if I had boys, I'd want them to be you know, going to Vancouver college right, right now. Yeah. So, yeah. And I'm, I'm glad, thankful, thankful for uh, you touching on just kind of the teacher coach relationship too. Cause you know, especially in the province of BC, you know, I'm, you know, you're busy doing your thing and stuff. And I know you dabbled with some coaching in and out and you have a busy life, but just, you know, that those, those teacher coaches that we so desperately need the young people coming in and giving back. Um, And I think so many of our guests that we've had, and you've touched on as well, just that, that connection or that, that Bob Corbett in their life for that, you know, whoever your junior coach was, and you only played one year junior, but just those people that went, out of their way to right. have you have a better experience and that you probably wouldn't have made it as far as you did without those people. Right. And, um, you know, we need more of those in our lives for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. You know, there's no doubt that, um, Vancouver college socialized me into the sport. I mean, I don't know if I would have pursued the sport if it wasn't for Vancouver college. And it started, you know, at a young age with, you know, um, John Kettlewell, you know, who was a parent um, at the time, who uh, was really my first first coach, uh, and kind of went went from there. Uh, Doug Beers, who at the time was the senior boys uh, basketball coach, uh, when I was in grade six and seven, and would invite uh, John and I to practice to watch uh, the senior boys practice, um, and you know. What an incredible experience to watch, um, you know, student athletes three, four, five years ahead of us, uh, you know, folks that we really, really looked up to, you know, Dave Willscroft, you know, Mike McIsaac, uh, you know, names like that, uh, Greg Silva, uh, Finbar O'Reilly, you know, these guys uh, were our idols, you know, um, when we we're in elementary school. Yeah, I think and I think that's I kind of like I got a little bit of hair standing up because I mean, you know me, you knew my bro. We're like we're kind of hoop junkies, and you know our whole life revolved around high school basketball too. And I had the opportunity to watch you play, so you were like, you know, you're two years older than me, but like you were the guy that I was looking up to. You know what I mean? And and your teams and the Scotty Waltons and the Nashes and you know the Jason Killens and the Jeff Winslades. You know the those were the guys that I was watching too. And I think it's just so special and important for people to hear that history of BC basketball. And, and you had it in house, you know, when you, when you change the high school situation from eight or nine to 12 to K to 12, you know, like you're walking, maybe, you know, you're just a little bugger walking the hall one day. And one of those guys walks by and you're like, Oh my God, you know, like that's the way we looked up to those guys. Right. And, you know, and back then the, the school spirit, 
grade five, grade six onwards um, that I can recall. You know, we'd have pep rallies and you know, the, the pyrotechnics uh, show going. I don't think that they're allowed anymore, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> and and every game was just, every home game was just uh, uh, jam-packed with, with fans. And and we really looked forward to those, those nights. And we would go with John's father often and uh, sit behind the, the basketball hoop on the stage and, um, you know, wait for the, uh, for Dave Wilskoff to start the, uh, the warmups off with his, you know, reverse, uh, uh, cradle dunk. Right. Which is, which is, uh, you know, so cool to see back then. And then, you know, like having the, the, the starting lineups get called out and all the boys hold up the newspaper for the visiting team. Like I did, there's so many different things I remember. Right. I, and I, you know, I became good buddies with, you know, Jay Mahar, obviously. So I hung out with a bunch of the VC guys and le- I like, I literally learned cheers from those guys about like how they would torment and chirp other teams. Right. It's just such a fun, such a fun, fun time. And I don't know, have you had the chance to go to a Saints VC game? I have George's over VC the years. Since the, um, yeah. Just yeah. mainly because of, you know, uh, Jack, uh, Jack Dumont, Jack Cruz right. Dumont and, and Hunter and, you know, and seeing seeing Cole last year play um, senior, but you know, hopefully their season is back next year, and I look forward to seeing Cole in his in his final year. Yeah, just like the atmosphere of those games, right? They've literally turned into like a novelty. It's like you you probably have to text someone. It's like you at least you know tricks and murder some people. It's like can you at least save me a seat for the game? Right, I can't show up two hours before tip off. Right, right. Well, that's what it used to be like. Yeah. Right? All, most of the home games, and now now it's only the Vancouver College St. George's rivalry that I'm aware of, right? That has that yeah. sort of uh, energy. No, for sure. Yeah, I you know, and there's probably some, maybe in some smaller communities or you know up north, whatever, like the odd game here and there. But uh, yeah, for sure, there's that overall. You know, when we had our old old gym. The, the stories before well before I was here of you know the lineups around the corner to get into the chancellor and things like that you know it's just like hey man if we don't have to charge a gate if we're gonna sell out everybody just come and watch some good high school hoops but you know I, it was cool to revisit your resume and and your accomplishments and um, I actually totally forgot that you played three years of, of senior ball and um, can you just touch on those three years for yourself your grade 10 I mean grade 10 is such a it's such an interesting year for boys, I find, because so many things can happen. Either you've peaked athletically and are starting to figure it out, or you're just starting to figure things out and like move forward, you know? So right. to, to play three years of, of senior ball must have been a like that grade 10 year. Were you nervous or did you feel like, yeah, I'm I'm built for this and I'm ready? And then touch on some of right, those experiences because sure. you you played on some special teams for sure in the, in those times. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt ready to play senior in my grade ten year. I, I mean, I stopped growing in grade eight, I think. You know, so, so I think by by tenth grade, I you know I already had two years in my in my body, right? To uh, and I was working out a lot and felt pretty strong for for a grade ten kid, uh, and certainly nervous playing it. Are you, you know. sure you're not Filipino then? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe. Sorry, I had to, I had to throw, I had to throw that in there. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Although I did, I I did reach six feet, so I don't know. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, and then you're definitely not. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I, I think, you know, hitting, going and playing senior in my grade tenure, I, I felt ready physically, certainly from a, a mental and emotional standpoint. It was all new, new to me. The game was uh, certainly quicker. Uh, guys were stronger, but I felt like I adapted pretty quickly. Um, and I had a really strong grade 10 season. You know, we made it to the final four. Um, remember beating uh, or losing to Belmont in the, uh, no, sorry. We beat Belmont to make it to the uh, final four in the Agrodome. Yeah. And it, we won in double overtime. And uh, it was such a rush, that game. It was it was really intense. Um, a number of a number of the guys hit some big shots to kind of, you know, put it into the next overtime and we, we ultimately pulled it out. Um, and then, uh, you know, I felt really confident go- going into my grade 11 year and, you know, and unfortunately, you know, as a, as a kid who, you know, wasn't really there yet from a mental standpoint and how to approach athletics, I felt, um, know, maybe my ego was a little bigger than it needed to be going in grade 11. And, and, uh, and, and as I, as the season went on and I wasn't having as good of a season as I thought I would, you know, then the self doubt kind of crept in, crept in and ultimately my grade 11 year, uh, I felt was, uh, personally a little bit of a disappointment for myself. Um, but you know, it was still an incredible year. We had, um, you know, again, we, we went to the final four, um, great teammates, you know, John, Steve Doherty, uh, you know, uh, Paul Williscroft, Tyler Thompson, you know, guys that went on and played university sports. You know, I think some serious top, ballers, man. Yeah. I think the top seven or eight, yeah. um, players that year yeah. played, um, university sports, whether it was basketball, golf, um, baseball, football right so uh, athletically athletically we were stacked and that was a year that uh you know steve nash was in grade 12 right my grade 11 year and um you know we had a few uh good battles with them uh, over the course of the season uh and then unfortunately we didn't meet them in the uh bc finals which is you know we were we were expecting to right i think we were ranked one and two most of the year that year and then my grade 12 year, you know, I, right through all of these years, I was playing football uh, as well. And, and uh, unfortunately, my grade 12 year, uh, you know, the BC uh, finals um, in BC place, uh, I, I broke my wrist, um, third play of the game, and I was out for the majority of the basketball season, my grade 12 year. I didn't return until right before no the lower main lens. Chunked up a little bit, put on some weight. And uh, so I was a little out of shape coming into that, uh, my final uh, basketball season um, as a grade 12. But, uh, you know, we still we still performed well as a team. And again, we made it to the final four and lost to, to Terry Fox. That um, was Brett Anderson and, and the boys, uh, you know, in the semifinals. So, but overall, you know, what an incredible experience. Um, athletically, you know, in high school. 
Yeah, it's funny, like, because, you know, pretty much North, I feel like North Delta and Fox were kind of the one two that year. And then, you know, like you talked about before, um, not not to like bring in wounds or everything, but like, like Scott Walton was just on a mission, hey, at that point, like it was crazy. But then they were just so tapped out in the final, which was kind of disappointing because it was like, maybe you guys squeak that game out. And who knows how that final goes. Have you ever talked about that with Steve? I know you have a good relationship with him, or do you guys right. just not even act like that happened? <laughs> I don't know if we've, like, we've, no, we've no spoken about that. I think, or what? I think I've blocked that out of my mind in terms of, uh, you know, all I remember yeah. is uh, Pit Meadows for the last 10 seconds. Uh, they all just sat on the floor, and that really pissed us all off um, as we dribbled up the court. Um, but I remember Scott, I think, had like, okay. 40, 45 points against us that game, and we had, we couldn't stop him. He was he was a uh, very impressive that game. Yeah, I I remember being at the dome and watching that, and my dad and I thinking like, what in the hell is going on? But basically, Goulet was just like not trying to foul. Now we had him on the pod, and I'm sure he would say he went with it, and I think he got more of a kick of getting you know getting Corbett riled up right I think uh, so yeah (laughs) you know yeah yeah but I think like for people that that go down memory lane and think about basketball and the the names that you've mentioned and just in those final fours the talent that was on the floor and how was that agronome experience for you you know you got all the boys from your school behind the net the hoop you know, going nuts and you're playing in front of, you know, four or five, 6,000 people. And, you know, what a, what an experience for a young, you know, 16, 17. I mean, you probably, were you 15 in grade 10 or turning 16, you know, like yeah. that's a lot to go through at a young age. It must've been super exciting. I, I mean, it was electrifying for sure. Um, a lot of nerves as well. I mean, I just remember, you know, I think as young athletes, we all kind of identify ourselves with, how we perform right and so when you you're doing really well you're feeling on top of the world and when you're not doing so well you know you kind of um you're not feeling so great about yourself right and and i certainly remember during that time my emotions were so up and down right um and when your season's over you know you have it's really emotional right uh, there's a lot of tears um i think all three years there's a lot of tears um you know that the final game of, of the tournament. Um, but you know, soon after you start thinking about the following year, right. And, uh, wanting to work out and, uh, continue to get better. And, and, uh, you know, because of that electrifying, um, environment, you want to, you want to get back there. Right. So it was very cool experience for sure. Yeah. I found something really interesting in your bio, was you know you played U16 provincial team and then you end up playing U19 which we'll which we'll talk about but your U17 year you didn't play and you played at you, you went down to Oregon and you went to something about called Camp Cascade I'm super intrigued by that I just sure. I want to know what, the why and then I want to know what that experience was like and and what it did you know you mentioned too that you ended up being a camp counselor or, you know I don't know if you listen to the Jeff Gurley podcast but it seems like that's how he spent every summer of his entire life right. um, was becoming a camp counselor. But why, why did you decide to, you know what, obviously someone who you, you were going to be on the provincial team, you would have made it, but why did you choose to go down right. to Oregon and, and, and do that? Yeah. I mean, it, it was a tough decision. If I recall, 
it, and really the decision came down to, you know, Bob Corbett, um, my coach at the time, um, had a really good relationship with the, with uh, the coaches down at Camp Cascade. And there was an opportunity um, for me to go down um, as an invite, um, as an invitee to the all-star week down there. So, you know, opportunity to play against, you know, the best players in Oregon um, uh, and sort of Southern Washington state for a week. And I thought, um, you know, this would be a cool opportunity for, for me to you know, play against some American competition. Um, and um, as well with that, you know, stay down there another couple of weeks and, and be a camp counselor, right? Which I thought uh, an, another great opportunity to kind of, you know, be around other athletes, um, coach, you know, something that uh, interested me at the time. Um, and just kind of be introduced to, um, to that whole world from a different perspective. Right. So, um, that was really it. You know, um, I had been going down to Camp Cascade, uh, actually a group of us had been going down to Camp Cascade, uh, since ninth grade, uh, going into the summer of going into grade nine, we'd go down there, um, every summer, um, uh, to this camp. And it was very cool. It's up in the Cascade uh, Mountains at six asphalt courts, um, you know, outside and, and uh, a number of cabins where everyone would uh, stay for the week. And a little camp store where you could buy candy. And then every meal um, was family-style meals. So, you know, you'd sit at a big table and just hand, you know, you'd be big plates of food and bowls of food. And you just kind of share the food with one another and, it was a really, really cool experience. Kind of gave insight into. You learn a lot about yourself on those kind of trips, hey? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, often we the bell would go off at 6.30 a.m. and we'd have to go outside for sort of the morning stretch and run before breakfast. And, you know, a little bit, a little bit like boot camp, I imagine. <laughs> so. yeah. and, and in the middle of like Oregon summer, right? Like that's. Um, I had the opportunity to do the Oregon state camp and I just remember that the heat, like, holy smokes. And, um, just like, yeah. So what was your take from that? Like, did you, did it change your perspective or were you like, yeah, I can kind of hang with these guys. I also want to touch on too, like camp counselor back in that day meant you, I'm just going to take a guess here. You coach camp all day, but then in the evening you just hooped all night, right? Yeah, exactly. At lunchtime as well. Right. So you're playing with other camp counselors. Um, yeah, I gained a lot of confidence actually being down there that summer, uh, playing against a lot of uh, really strong, strong players. And a number of them, you know, I kind of followed after high school that played, you know, division one, small division one schools. And yeah, it, it was, it was competitive. And, and like I said, continued to build up my confidence as, as a, as a player, uh, and, and felt like I actually did really, I think I got one of the top awards that week, um, the all-star week. Um, so certainly it felt like I could compete with everyone there. I remember, um, I don't, you know, you, we kind of get you, they put you in kind of a pod for the week for skills and stuff. And then you end up competing against other groups. And so one day you're outside, you're not. And one of the dudes had like a whole bunch of milk for breakfast and we had the morning session outside and 
like an hour and a half in, he's just yakking up like curdled <laughs> milk in his stomach. It's like oh, you learn a lot about hydration during those 13 hour <laughs> days of basketball too, right? That's right. And, and I mean, you're yeah. baking in the sun for, you know, 10 hours straight, you know? So, yeah. Um, <laughs> so fun. Yeah. To be honest, I haven't thought about, uh, you know, that time, you know, for many, many, many years. Uh, so Thank you, Mitch, for uh, inviting me on and it gave me the opportunity to kind of dig back into the the memory vault. Yeah, no, no worries, man. I mean, it's kind of what it's about, right? I think we sometimes get caught up in life and continue to move on to the next thing and we get stressed out and the world moves so fast, and but we don't pause and look at those fun times. And this has been kind of the fun part of the journey and your journey continues from high school. And, you know, it sounds like for you, the mental aspect of the game was huge, like going through just really finding that confidence in yourself. And when did you get to a point where you thought, okay, I can move to the next level with this. I'm not sure where or where I want to play or how it's going to happen. But when did you realize like that you would be open to figuring out, you know, moving on to post-secondary basketball? Yeah. So for me, that was at a young age. I knew I always wanted to play, you know, college, university, uh, basketball, you know, back when when I was in grade six and seven, uh, John and I would, you know, be really excited to watch college basketball on Saturday, NBA on Sunday, and he, you know, he he'd have a hoop in the backyard, and you know, at halftime of the games, we'd go out and battle, we'd play one on one, and then run back in for the second half, and we would do that Saturday and Sunday, um, you know, during those years. So even back then, I knew, you know, I wanted. I wanted to play in the college and I wanted to play in the NBA back then. Right. So, um, and then it got real, like the opportunity to play university basketball, I think got real for me grade nine, 10, maybe in that sort of time frame, and, and coming out of high school, um, you know, there were some opportunities. I actually got recruited more for football coming out of high school than basketball. Um, Part of that really? is probably because I, I broke my wrist my grade twelve year and didn't have much of a grade twelve season, um, right? But uh, uh, yeah, so that was kind of interesting when I reflect back on on those years that uh, you know, NAI schools and small Div, uh, Div, Div two schools were were interested, um, you know, for for me to go down and play football and and a few of those schools also basketball. Um, so that, you know, I had a, I had a taste of what it was like to be recruited for a very, very short period of time. Right. So, and uh, yeah, so like I said, early on in high school, I, I knew that I wanted to play post-secondary and I ended up uh, playing a couple years at Cap College. So before, I want to talk about Cap, but when you guys went out at halftime and you guys are playing, at what point did Johnny start to force you right and you, st- for, you know, force him left or did that ever happen? Oh yeah, it, it happened. <laughs> and but, yeah. but beyond but beyond that is you know often the the games would end in uh, you know fights in scrap, right with uh, yeah headlocks we'd end up getting each other in headlocks yeah. and one of us would have to sort of give give right so don't talk um, for the first five minutes of the second half of uh, Duke Michigan and then be like. Uh, so can you pass the Coke over here or what, man? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, I remember, uh, oh, good. 
playing one-on-one and his elbow came down on my, just below my eye, cut my eye open. And uh, I still have a scar from oh. that from all those years ago. The boxer cut. Yes. The boxer yes. cut. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Um, I mean, if Johnny's going to leave one memory for you, might as well, might as well be that, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I had the same opportunity as you did. I got to play for Phil Langley. And, um, you know, I think because of when he sort of started to pack it in as a coach, which was right after my year that I played and shortly after you left, um, you know, how did Phil come into your life and when did he start to recruit you? And, and when did you decide that cap was a place that you wanted to, to use as, you know, as a stepping stone to moving on to UBC? It's a good question. Um, you know, I think I had met Phil, um, you know, at open gym. So I was invited to some open gyms at cap and, you know, he had come out and watch. And then, you know, I think it was through that process that he started talking to me and, and, um, at the time, I thought it was a great fit for me. I was living, you know, on the North Shore. Uh, I knew some of the other guys that were 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 going to head to Cap College, and I thought it would be a great uh, opportunity for me to get get some experience playing at the next level. Um, and so, I don't think it was um, it wasn't a long kind of drawn out process. I think it was kind of one of those situations where, you know, you're playing in some open gyms start talking to coach, you know, there's an opportunity there. Um, right away you connect with the coach and I felt like I connected really well with Phil, um, from day one and, um, had a lot of respect for him. Um, you know, kind of his approach and uh, approach to the game, but also kind of his knowledge. I think he's had spent some time with the national team prior to, um, coaching me at cap. And, and so that kind of shone through kind of in, in the way that he managed our team. And, you know, certainly X's and O's, he was, he was, uh, uh solid at, right. So, yeah, he yeah, really knew so, what he was doing. Yeah, he did. And, and he, with his psychology background, he really, <laughs> I think he really knew how to kind of manipulate <laughs> the team too to do what he wanted them to do. So, um, But, you know, we were yeah. successful. I think we yeah. had some good years with with him. Uh, you know, even though we, we ended up not going to the Nationals uh, the two years I was there, we, we did – I think we we uh, we certainly – I felt we certainly reached our potential as a team. You know, there's a lot of people coming in and out as well, right? I think that's – community college is kind of like that. You know, one guy will come in mm. for a year or half a year, and then they'll be gone. So it's really hard to build that continuity, right? Totally. It's like the, what they call it, like the two seasons, right? Let's see what happens at Christmas and then see what your team's like after Christmas when the report card comes out, you know? It's like, right. Because you may have uh, the same team, you may have recruited a new guy, or your, half your team may be gone because they're ineligible. So. Yeah. Who? Okay. So. Did you play with, did you, I mean, you played with Dom, obviously. Did you play right. with Chris Reimer? I did. So Chris, um, yeah. Mark, Mark Lemire, um, yeah. Davis Sanchez for a year. Port Moody. Yes. Um, Shout out Davis Sanchez. Yes. Yeah. I think after one year at cap, that's when he decided to really pursue football. Um, yeah. Uh, Mike Hamilton played with Mike for, uh, for, for a year. Sherlan? Sherlan, Yes. Yeah. Um, 
I think he played an, uh, so I, after my second year at, at cap, I moved to UBC and this year land and Don played another year at cap, I believe. And then, uh, Don came to, uh, UBC and I think Sherland might've played a one more year at cap or maybe he took a year off, um, and then came to UBC. Yeah, that so that would have been my year. So I played the 95, 96 with Dom. Sure, Sherland got hurt, so he sat out that year, but Reimer was on that team and we had uh Malinsky and Jamie Wee and All right. Richie Bell. Yeah, we had a good team as well. So that that league was fun. It was it was it was great in terms of a you know, if you weren't ready to make that jump or you thought, okay, hey, maybe playing at the college level for a guy who literally is coached at the national team level. Like I think we overlook that, right? Like Phil Langley was a national team level coach who coached at Windsor for a bunch of years, but like probably got paid, you know, anywhere between six to 10 grand to coach at cap college. And the, the knowledge that you're gaining in that, like, I mean, like you've already talked, you've mentioned it already, but it's just invaluable. And, and, when does Bruiser start to come into your life and when does Bruce start to show up at your games or is it you kind of going to some more Memorial open gyms and how does UBC start to, you know, after a couple of years move into that? Right. You know, you were, well, I, I came to f- find out a few years ago, uh, Don, myself, uh, John Dykstra and um, Kevin Keeler, we all went down to visit Bruce uh, down just yep. outside of Seattle. And I came to uh, learn at brunch that day that uh bruce actually didn't want me to come to ubc it was really ross tomlinson that uh was keen on bringing me to ubc so um i think i owe a lot to, to ross uh, in, in terms of getting me to ubc so i kind of find, found that uh a little funny uh, that bruce yeah that is ultimately funny. did did not want me to be there so um <laughs> <laughs> But you know, it's a good. So I think Ross kind of got my foot, got got me in the door, and then um, you know I went there and worked hard and earned a spot um, in the rotation my first year at uh, UBC, and we we won uh, Canada West, uh, beating uh, University of Alberta in the finals. And your bro was was our team manager, and um, you know, Mitch, you know, Sean was awesome. I mean, we we adored him as a as a as our uh, team manager and and I think uh you know certainly the best uh team manager I've ever had so um we ended up going to the nationals and and ended up losing to U of A actually in the in the semifinals I think we had played U of A seven or eight times that year um, wow so it uh the way that they created the national draw we we felt that the two of us should have been on either uh, different sides of the draw. You know, I was, I was proud of myself for ma- working myself into the rotation that, that first year. And I felt I just continued to prove, improve over the next uh, number of years, you know, before, uh, you know, with Rich, Richie Chambers uh, being my coach my final year at UBC. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, you're being a little bit humble. I mean, you're a Canada West, you know, two-time all can West. So, yeah, obviously you played yourself into a nice little role. But uh, what do you think um, the first year, what was the biggest adjustment uh, moving from, you know, a kind of a smaller environment like CAP to something like UBC? What did you find? Or did you find it like in kind of an easy transition because you had had two years under your belt? 
Yeah, I felt the transition went pretty smoothly. I think the biggest change for me was really understanding my role on the new team, you know, with new players. We had, um, you know, Kenny Morris, who was, you know, all Canadian that year and uh, other very strong, skilled players and kind of figuring out where I fit into the uh, into the team and, and what my role it was, right? And, and um, you know, I, at Cap, I was playing kind of point guard, some two. Um, and then at UBC with, with Bruce's offensive structure, which was very different from Phil's, um, you know, I had to learn how to play more off the ball, right? And, um, uh, you know, so that, that first year at UBC, I, I learned how to come up, come off screens, uh, get to open spaces, spot up and shoot, you know, um, which, uh, you know, my earlier days, you know, the ball was in my hand more often than it was that, that first year at UBC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're looking looking to flick the wrist a little bit more than you were at UBC. Hey, just to start it off. Yeah. Right. <laughs> One less swing pass at cap than it was at UBC. <laughs> but I mean, I remember Dom reflecting on that opportunity to go down and go see Bruce. And obviously with, with what he's battling and stuff, like that must've been pretty special. I think, you know, the, the player coach relationship is, is tough because, um, you know, when, when we're players, we, we, you know, like you say, right. You two years at cap and then you go to UBC and you think like, well, I've kind of like just did my thing at cap and now I'm going to step into this, but also realizing I got to work my way in and there's so many egos involved. And, you know, you think of these high level coaches and what they really are dealing with. And then just to have the opportunity to go down with, you know, a bunch of your former teammates, you know, and go have a road trip and and hang out with your former coach and 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 just chat about those funny times, and then you get an amazing story about um, the assistant coach who put his neck on the line for you. Like for those that don't know, and we haven't talked a lot about Bruce on this podcast yet, so just I mean, he's a legendary coach in in BC, and he was at UBC for like decades and did an amazing job. And you know, without without Bruce, there's no Kevin Hansen. You know what I mean? So right. if you could just reflect on that a little bit, I think it's important, you know, to talk about his story too, because I know Dom speaks so highly of him and so many people had such a great experience or maybe a rough experience, but he was a he was a staple of British Columbia basketball right. for a long time. Absolutely. I mean Bruce Bruce was a special individual. I mean his uh his passion and his engagement and focus um and love for the sport you know it's really unmatched um and what i really loved about bruce was his perspective on the sport you know i think he came at it uh from a from a unique angle in, in the sense that he would often relate it to you know a jazz quintet you know and how you know, you need to really understand the the basics of your instruments and be proficient at at those instruments. But uh, once you start playing together, you, now you're riffing off of each other. Now your you know your foundation is your your ability to play that instrument. But the beauty of it is how everyone connects with one another to create this incredible sound, right? And that's how he viewed, um, you know his offense, right? His, his, his team in that light, like put in the work on the off season, you know, you got to have your individual skills and your, and your fitness level at a certain, at a certain baseline. If you want to play, 
for me, right? And then the season was really about how do we how do we connect all these pieces together and, and create this beautiful thing, right? So uh, that's what I really, really um, appreciated uh, and loved about um, Bruce's style of coaching. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, he's, you know, a special guy and, you know, obviously, you know, chatted with Zimmy about it and love to have him on, but I know he's just battling his own little thing and his story is, is absolutely wild and crazy and such a, you know, just a, a good genuine human being and a great man who's a, impacted so many people. And um, like, talk about some of the guys and the relationships you had. Like, I mean, it, for me, this is a throwback episode because you guys don't know, but like, obviously you talk about my brother and like, he was the guy who would drive you around on, you know, after games and take you out and be, make sure everyone was safe. And he was just like the right. engineer and nerd organized guy who was just awesome and wanted to be around you guys. But like, we got, like, I got all those stories like back at home when he would come home and do his laundry and stuff like that. So like, I was kind of living through him. I remember going out to UBC, uh, staying in gauge towers and sleeping on his floor for a couple nights and watching you guys play. And like, just the group of guys and then, you know, allowing to be part of the monkeys later on for me, like, even though you guys are just years apart, it was like, it was like a step into like, I, I made it, you know what I mean? And that might sound really corny to you, but like you were, you guys were my heroes and legends. And I was getting those stories directly from my bro. And then just all these amazing dudes around like the Johnny Dykstra's right guy goes D one breaks his neck, comes back. He's your teammate, Dumont, like Zimmy, you know, all these guys. There's just so many special human beings that you got to hoop with. It like I'm a little bit envious, to be honest. Sorry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I gotta say, you know, it was definitely a special time. Like, you know, during those years, you're just very impressionable, right? You're a young adult, you're trying to figure out who you are and what you want to do with your life, and you're kind of going through that journey with these other guys, right. That are in similar boats. Some are maybe a little further ahead than you. And some are maybe a little behind you, but what kind of brings you all together is just love for the sport and, and, and uh, the competitiveness that we all had. Right. And so, you know, that, that bond, um, I think never, never goes away. You know, I'm still very good friends with Kenny Morris and, uh, you know, of course, Dom is one of my closest buddies that, uh, I've got so much respect for and, Everyone that, you know, John Dykstra, um, all of these guys just had such an incredible, um, you know, passion for not just a sport, but for each other. Like we, we really loved, loved each other, you know, while we were, we were together and, you know, that's, uh, you can't say that about a lot of, uh, situations that you're in. You know, I think that's one of the beautiful things about sport as team sport in general. Right. Um, and that's that certainly was my experience at UBC for sure. And um, we'll talk a little bit about uh, I, you got to give us one funny story about the Philippines or Taiwan. But like, I'm always curious this too, and I, I don't ask it enough on the show. But was it tough for you to transition out of basketball? Because it was hard for me, you know. I, I after after you know five years of just post secondary and. Oh, I don't, I'm not really, I don't really want to play overseas. Not even sure if I could, whatever, just trying to figure that out. But I was like, okay, now I don't have, I'm not walking to a room every day with 12 to 13, 14 other dudes that are like my, literally my family, like how, 
who am I and how do I sort this out? Like, did you go through that too? Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think um, I had a minute over in Taiwan. So after I finished at UBC, mm-hmm. um, I was lucky enough to to sign a contract and play professionally over in, in Taiwan. And, you know, I was there for a shortened season. The season, uh, the league actually shut down. It was kind of during the, uh, the uh, financial, Asian financial crisis back in the late 90s. And so um, the league was was a victim of that. So I was only there for, for half a year type thing. And so for me, um, you know, I think anytime you, you, you end a phase of your life, not on your terms, it's going to be difficult. Right. And so for me, um, that was kind of the event that ended my, um, my, my basketball, my basketball career. Um, and, uh, because, you know, growing up, you have so much attachment and you, you you tie yourself to your performance so closely that it took a while for me to kind of separate the two. Right. And, and, um, it was a difficult process. It took a number of years to be honest. And, um, um, it was a difficult couple of years. Right. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you come back and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not in school anymore. I don't have that community around me. I got to go get a job, right? Like, how am I going to continue to support myself? Um, and so you kind of, you know, I went on sort of a journey for a couple of years to kind of really understand and um, who I was and you know, what did I, what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. So it was a difficult two years for sure. But no, I, I think no, no different, you know, I think a lot of athletes go through that process no matter what level you get to right i think um uh, probably i would imagine the longer you play you know for some of these professional athletes that have been playing for five six seven eight years beyond um maybe they have enough time to kind of figure that out as their career is winding down but uh, i imagine it's difficult for everyone yeah totally yeah and then okay so you went to Taiwan, it got cut in half, but then you mentioned something about playing, um, in the Philippines. Did, was that, did that come after a couple of years or what did that look like? No, I actually never played in the Philippines. No. Um, so my, my professional, uh, piece was really just, um, to Taiwan for, for that one year. Um, I, yeah, I never had the opportunity to go to the Philippines. Um, after so that. then, so after Taiwan, did you just think, okay, like this is over with, I want to move on? Or was it like, were people kind of like, hey, you should come back? Or was it because the financial situation was so bad, kind of playing again wasn't an opportunity that was there for you? No, I, I think the, the financial piece was just kind of there. I think the league was just kind of had to reset and kind of adjust. And unfortunately, the timing was bad for me. I think they were back at it. And I think they took a year off or two years and then I think they're back at it. But for me during that time, I actually had a couple of surgeries on my ankles. I had my lateral, lateral ligaments reconstructed in both my ankles. And, and so there was sort of chronic injuries there that I was kind of working through, um, during that time, I did consider wanting to go back. And I actually, at the time reached out to 
Steve Nash, who I kept in touch with since, uh, since high school. And at the time he was in Dallas and, um, he put me in touch with Wang Zhuzhu's agent, um, who I, and Wang Zhuzhu, I think was the first Chinese to play in the NBA. And so I shared a few emails with, uh, Wang Zhuzhu's agent and, and ultimately, um, had lined up a few tryouts in, in mainland China. Uh, but ultimately I ended up deferring on that because, um, I really had to go back and have my, um, left ankle done. Um, and, and then once I recovered from that, I was like, okay, you know, I really need to move on and, and not pursue, um, playing basketball anymore. So that was kind of my, the way that my basketball ended. Yeah. And I don't know if you've listened to the Garachi episode, but he talks about that, right? It's like when, when it's like way more prep just to get yourself ready to either practice or play, it's like, oh my gosh, okay, this is when my body's telling me it's, it's time to just, you know, be done. Right. Like if I need an hour to get ready for an hour and a half practice, then. For sure. And, and then the pragmatic part of it too, right? Like, you know, the financial piece, you know, what, what now that you're kind of mid twenties or needing to, to earn, um, a living and, you know, you got to weigh that against exactly like you just said, like, how, how much effort do you put into your body to get you to a place where you can maybe play? And if so, for how many more years? And you're just kind of putting off the inevitable of, okay, well, maybe I should really um, start thinking about the next step, next phase of my life. But then you jump into, you know, you talked about a couple of years of just kind of figuring things out and moving to the next phase of your life. But you did do a couple of cool projects. And one of them you mentioned, you know, on your was it your third or sixth email reply? I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, fifth, seventh. Yeah. <laughs> but talk a little bit about, you know, you got in some coaching stuff and like there's a legendary like Facebook profile pic of like you, Dumont, Zimmy, and like Nash against yeah. the wall of the old STM gym. I'm like, people would pay fifteen hundred dollars just to come for this camp for one day. So Talk a little bit about that, you know, the hoop dream thing. And then, you know, you got into Corvio, like you did some, I've always, I've always, you know, in, been intrigued and kind of always appreciated the fact that like you, you're not afraid to like take an adventure on and go for it. Right. You know, you're using your skill set to, to work. And some of those have been basketball related. So once you kind right. of figured those things out for yourself, you ran into a couple of little projects, like reflect on that before we kind of move to uh, what your favorite chip is, you know, let's get to some serious stuff here. (laughs) Yeah. So hoop dream, uh, Dom and I started up hoop dream. I think our last, uh, the summer of our last year, um, going into, uh, sorry, going into our final year uh, at UBC. Um, and it was a uh, camp for kids, elementary school age kids. And it was, you know, our way of earning some, extra cash without actually having to go out and find a real job is kind of like the motivation behind that. Um, you know, we had done a, a number of the UBC camps, um, prior to that. And so, you know, we felt, um, pretty, pretty comfortable, uh, running, running camps. And, uh, that kind of, con- that continued on, uh, through the years, uh, Dom ended up going over to, uh, Germany. I, and when I got back from Taiwan, I continued to run those camps. And we ended up at one point, we, I was running camps out of six or seven different locations. 
and again, always focusing on that, that elementary school aged sort of um, cohort. And it was just a fun, fun project for me to do. And, and, you know, I was able to earn, earn enough money to live, um, you know, modestly. Um, and so that was one project that kind of ended up going on for seven, eight years. And one of my friends ended up running with it for a few more years after I left. Um, and then it just kind of petered off. Mm-hmm. And then I spent a couple of years at uh, Collingwood school as a teacher and uh, coached uh, the senior boys up there uh, for three years. And that was a fantastic experience. Kevin Waterhouse was a, was my assistant coach and we had a lot of fun. What year, what years were those? That was 2003 to 2006. Like All right, man, I forgot about that. And so those are fun years. And, um, you know, I think the first time we were able to get uh, the senior boys team, um, number one, to win the house downs and number two, to get them into the, uh, the, the provincials, which had never been done before at the school. And, and um, a number of years later, it was awesome to see Collingwood win it all at the double A level. I think it was, that was like five years ago, maybe. Um, and so during that time, I... Under Andy Wong. That's right. Andy Wong. Yeah. He did a fantastic Great guy. job. Amazing coach too. Um, so the last couple of years, so I was only at Collingwood for, for three years. My last year at Collingwood, you know, I knew it was time for me to move on. And, and uh, you know, I think I realized that teaching wasn't really uh, something I wanted to continue to pursue. And so I kind of pitched the headmaster on, on running summer programs um, out of the, out of Collingwood. And I think at that time, um, you know, the camps, there were summer camps coming back in the early 90s, but for many, many years, uh, there wasn't any programming. So I kind of put together a pitch. Um, Headmaster uh, kind of ultimately gave me the the go-ahead to to organize these camps. And so my last year, you know, half of my my time was spent organizing these camps. for that, for that last summer that I was at Collingwood. And, and so that kind of transitioned me into moving into my own business with, with a friend uh, where we did a lot of web design and development uh, for a number of years. Um, and then from there, uh, unfortunately, my brother was killed in a car accident on the way to work. And at the time, my brother was working for my father in a software company. And so for me, you know, there wasn't much of a decision um, for me, you know, I needed to join the family business. Uh, and so I was able to actually sell my client list, um, at the time, start working for my father, uh, and transition my father out of the business. It took around five, six years to kind of, um, um, lay down the foundation for him to be able to walk away from, from his software business. Um, and then at that point, that's when I really kind of took a step back and looked at, okay, what do I want to do with the software company? And I kind of went through this trans- transformation in terms of, you know, I, I ended up uh, hiring new staff. We had a new vision for the company. We ended up building the Oliver platform, which is a you know, benefits administration platform for, for insurance, for the insurance space and ultimately named after my brother. So that was kind of my kind of, um, homage to him. So, 
So that's what I've been doing the last four or five years. It's awesome. I know. I mean, I, I, you know, I, December 1st is my mom's passing and I, I, I just, you know, I couldn't imagine a, a brother passing so early, but you know, the ability to kind of just, I know you had your dark times and, and you, you know, use your support system around you to kind of get through that, but to, to create something like that and a, and a legacy like that, it's got to feel good every day to like, you know, see your email signature and do that. Right. And, um, that's powerful stuff. Thanks for sharing that. I am not sure how many people actually know that about you or your brother. And I know that, but I'm not sure, you know, and, and it's not, you know, you're putting it on a podcast. I mean, who knows going to listen to it, but it's out there. So good for you for kind of being vulnerable and sharing that. And, and thank you for that. But, um, I, I just like, uh, yeah, I don't really know what to say after, after all that, it's kind of tough. I'm just thinking like, how much do you think of, being able to transition when that happens and moving to that part of your life and maybe it's zero, but like through sport, just kind of, you deal with adversity, you deal with tough times, you deal with positive right. times, you deal with failures, right? Like, have you thought about that or was it just something that you think was intrinsically just inside of you and you just gradually moved on to and, and made those things happen? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've reflected a lot on those years. Um, and you can imagine there are difficult years anytime you lose a loved one. And then, you know, but I think certainly sport has been the foundation for me in terms of building my character. Right. And, and I think what, what I feel um, sport taught me is my ability to adapt and my ability to uh, problem solve um, my ability to care for others. Right. And, and, you know, um, all of these, characteristics that you want, um, from your teammates, you know, and when I was a coach, what I wanted from my, from the players that played for me. Right. And, and so it's not so different from that, um, perspective, um, the adversity piece for sure. I mean, you're dealing with a lot of emotions. I wasn't at all, um, prepared emotionally to, to lose someone, um, so close, close to me. Um, and I certainly didn't get it right, to be honest. You know, I think the, you know, years coming out of, um, that period, uh, you know, I made mistakes and, uh, but ultimately my goal was to, to figure out a way to get my father into retirement in a way that he could kind of move forward. And that was kind of my, my main focus, um, to the detriment, I think, of my own well-being, um, but again, you learn from it and you grow from it, right? So, uh, so th that was kind of my a lot of lessons learned for myself going through that uh, during that period of time. That was, you know, two thousand eight to two thousand and twelve period, right? And I had to learn a whole new industry too, right? I never wanted to be in the pension and group benefits space, um, but I had to quickly figure, figure out how long that worked. Right. So, but, uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, it was certainly a powerful time for me. It's good, man. Good reflection. Love it. I soaked that stuff up for days. That's great. man. Good Lad Clothing is the most unique shopping experience in the lower mainland. The owner Shane Meyer has worked hard to create a personal experience offering clothing, specialized coffee, 
haircuts, and beard trims. Located in Lower Lonsdale at 221 West Esplanade in North Vancouver, seconds from the C-Bus. If you are unable to make it to the store, you can shop online at shopthefoldgroup.com. And oh yeah, in-store, if you mention a Hoops Journey, you'll receive 15% off anything store-wide. We want to take a moment and thank our sponsor, Parkside Brewery. Located in the heart of Port Moody on Brewers Row, Parkside offers an amazing atmosphere with one of the best summer patios around. If you can't make it to the brewery located at 2731 Murray Street, then hit any government retail store and try the Don Pilsner, the Dusk Pale Ale, or my favorite, the Dreamboat Hazy IPA. A Hoops Journey promises that the beer at Parkside is much, much, much better than the owner, Sam Payne's Streaky Jump Shot. We hope to see you Parkside. Before we, before we kind of start to get on our way out of here, you have to have like a good freak show Caresdale league story. There, there has to be, how does Gerald Cole sneak out? Like knowing what my brother told me at Christmas and Thanksgiving, like come on, man, there's, there is a Caresdale co-ed freak show store. There's got to be something. You don't have to name names. You don't have to throw anyone under the bus. Like it's all off, you know, like there's got to be something good in there. Well, on court or off court stories. I mean, there's the, there's many. Uh, <laughs> I'll focus on on court. Uh, <laughs> well, I think the the Qued league was was so much fun. I mean, I played in that league for uh, I don't know. I, I want to say four, three, four, five years. And for the last three years, it was our own team, right? I think Trixie uh, made reference to this when she was on. Um, it was just so much fun. You know, we had um, all of our really close friends playing together and we we're all still really competitive and, you know, a step slower and maybe not as, you know, refined as, as we were when we we're kind of, you know, playing at our peak. And so that created a lot of frustration, which sounds like, led. did you hear that Corpsey? Sounds like Bruce ends is like, you know, poetic, like, playing at our peak like it was like he was talking about an orchestra there right but the, oh, yeah. the caresdale league version of it he was literally right. being his former coach right there <laughs> yeah. anyways keep going <laughs> yeah and uh, i guess my point is that often lead to you know scuffles on the court and you know giving each other the stink eye you know um yeah. and uh and then we just all go drink beers after right and uh you know Freak show, lots of great stories. I mean, the key of it with the freak show is it's all about the connections you make within the team, right? And like basketball is secondary, right? So, you know, we still want it, want to win, and often, you know, all everyone would come out during the playoffs, and and I think we often would win, um, but it's really about uh, you know going down to the Seymour Pub after for for a couple pints and catching up and using using those uh op, you know using those times together as almost like a therapy session you know and what's going on in your life and kind of talking through some things kind of in a funny way right so uh, 
you know, again, it's all about the underlying theme. There's that brotherhood, right? That, that, that connection with teammates that can, that can continue on in, in recreational sports. I like one thing, you know, we talked about COVID at the start and um, a lot of reflection. And I feel like, because personally for us as a family, like it's so hard to become a family. And then we got Eli and it was like, just sort of almost over the top in sort of becoming a dad, right? It was like almost too much being there and things like that. Not that that's ever a bad thing, but like one thing COVID has taught me is like, I've said no, or, ah, you know, I can't do that to, to many different people. Um, when I probably could have just met for a beer or a chat or a coffee, right. And, and taking those opportunities. And when life opens up again, you know, I, I, I love that reflection on that, yeah, you know, winning and kicking on everyone's ass at Cap Men's League was great. But when the freak show went after, it was even better because it was reconnecting with people that matter in my life. And it's really that that's really taught me a lot. And and to hear that is just another reminder. I think it's so important, especially as we get older. I mean, we I'm sounding old talking right now. And but, you know, do you know right. what I'm saying with that? hundred percent. You know, and I, I, I feel the same way in terms of what's going to you know, outcome of, you know, this pandemic as things get back to normal one day, you know, take a step back and, and take things a little slower and, and connect more with those around you. Um, Cause those are meaningful kind of connections, right? No matter, no matter if you only see someone once a year type thing, right? Those, those are important uh, connections to make. Totally, man. Good stuff. Love it. This is exactly why we got you on, man. Just uh, thoughtful and stuff. But in terms of thoughts, who's the greatest basketball player of all time? Oh, my goodness. Well, I think you got to go with, I mean, for me, Michael Jordan. I mean, I think it hands down, right? I mean, that may be partly because of, you know, it was my era growing up. That was my, one of my idols, right? So Michael Jordan. Did you see LeBron just signed for like 40, $42 million a year or something like that? Oh my that. goodness. Did he? Like for one year? Or yeah. Was two it, years, 85 years. mil. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Hope, hopefully um, he does some good with that money. Absolutely. Yeah, they said like in the in the end, if he was to finish with that, like his career earnings would be like four hundred and thirty-five mil or something. Right, and just that's just from, yeah, and that doesn't include yeah. the endorsements. Yeah, right. It's wild. Um, who's been the most important person in your life or people? And everybody's got a handful. We, you know, everybody says it takes a village. So, yeah. who, who's been your like circle that's kind of been there and and taught you and kept you around and did you know done the most for you yeah i mean there's been a number of people um different phases of my life but certainly growing up um you know i, I gotta say my my parents of course um bob corbett you know, for sure you know i think he's he was very um important he was a very important kind of leadership figure in my life at a young age definitely steve nash uh you know from the moment i met him I just had so much um, admiration and respect for him, just kind of his, the aura and his energy that he that he gave off the moment I met him. Um, John Dumont, of course, 
you know, and then my close friends, you know, Dominic Zimmerman, Jeffrey Joseph, Kevin Waterhouse, these are all, uh, Josh Hepner, these are all very, very important people in my life that uh, I feel grateful for them to be, to be in my life. So I think that, uh, yeah, I think yeah, that's man. it. That's awesome. I like talk about, if you don't mind, sorry, it's, you know, it sounds like it's hitting you a little bit, which is awesome. I love it. I don't know if you listen to Johnny Lee, Johnny Lee cried like five times in the episode. Love you, Johnny. Love you, Johnny Lee. Um, <laughs> like Bob Corbett, man, like, like Bob Corbett put his time in. Bob Corbett is a legend in BC basketball and Bob Corbett is like a Simon Dykstra sort of just kind of maybe we, you know, because they're not that outspoken sort of gregarious person like Bob Corbett led you in three years to three final fours. You know what I mean? Right, like right. the guy's legacy is phenomenal. And, you know, if you just extend that, if you don't mind for a couple seconds, just extend that relationship in your experience with him and, and what do you feel like he's meant to basketball and BC as a whole as well? So I think it's important. I think he's someone that maybe we overlook a little bit. Yeah. I think for me, what I, my experience with Bob and what I saw um, he's just an incredible builder, right? I think um, one of his biggest strengths is is his uh, his preparation. Like he got us prepared um, for games to compete, um, you know. And and not only that, I think he had a bigger vision of of building a successful basketball program. It wasn't just about the team; it was about how how are we going to create sustainability within the program by implementing, you know, um, methodologies and, and, and processes and structure at the younger grades that would funnel, um, you know, the players through the, through the years so that they would be ready to play varsity, you know, and be prepared to play varsity. Right. So, um, you know, certainly, uh, you know, he, his vision um, and his ability to to execute, and and of course that's backed up by his dedication and hard work, right? So, I mean, he did that to a, a similar degree um, as as one of the key people up at Collingwood School, right? But outside of the right. basketball world, he took that same approach, that same love and and commitment to his job at Collingwood, you know, and and was very instrumental in building a lot of key programs up at, uh, at Collingwood school. Yeah. Awesome. Great stuff. How do you feel about ketchup on macaroni? I love it. Yeah. You gotta have ketchup on Mac, Mac and cheese. I mean, I would still eat Mac and cheese without ketchup, but, uh, first thing, first thing I'm thinking about is, okay, where's the ketchup? The first thing really did yeah. a certain German fellow pay you money to answer this <laughs> to answer this way, or maybe that's why we're so good friends? <laughs> yeah. Well, moving on here, Corbs. Uh, <laughs> who's the greatest player you've played against? Uh, Steve Nash. That was kind of a dumb question, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, it's a simple simple answer for for anyone in our era, right? Do you mind answering a maybe a personal question about Steve? Uh, sure. Like, what is it about? Because you've seen him in the business world, right? So what, right. sort of, what, what's, what's that connection in terms of, 
Um, what do you see as a basketball player that he carries to the business world? Now you being a business person too, um, because I teach a leadership class and I'm just curious. Right. Um, you know, I, I'm always worried, concerned about, you know, rela- I, th- I think leadership's about relationships and, you know, I hear you talk and you have that and Steve seems like someone like that. So what do you see that transition between the two, if you don't mind answering that sure. you on the spot a bit, but yeah, I mean, I think strong leaders, no matter what, whether it's community or business or sports comes down to, you know, communicating your vision. Right. And, and I think, you know, my experience with Steve as it relates to Corvio, really us agreeing on the vision um, of what we want to accomplish with, with ultimately this project. Right. And, and then being purposeful, right? Like every meeting we had, um, you know, what do we want to get accomplished in, in, in the short period of time that we, we have together? Right. So, mm-hmm. and then I think it was a no brainer in terms of um, us working together um, from the point of view that we share similar core values. Right. So, um, so, you know, as a business owner, that's really important when I recruit new staff, uh, you know, number one, they have to be technically sound, but more importantly, do they reflect the core values of the company? And that's a really important, the most important thing that I really try to, um, really try to, um, how do I say, project to the, the staff on a regular basis and communicate, um, those core values. Yeah, dude. I'm literally going to cut this section of the podcast and play it to my leadership class because the first week of class, we just talk about our values and who we are. And nice. just nailed it. Thanks. Nice. Yeah. Because like when I was 16 or 17, I didn't think about what my values were. I was like, what? why did I make that bad decision on the weekend? I was like, oh, wait, that's okay. But why do I make most good decisions? Oh, my values. Like, yeah. Love it, man. How, how do you think he's going to do in Brooklyn? I think he's going to do phenomenal. You know, I think he was the right choice. Um, you know, if Steve's kind of is always forward thinking, right? So if anyone's going to be able to work with Kyrie and Durant and possibly even Harden, you know, I think Steve's probably going to be the best person for that job, you know, in terms of forward thinking, maybe relinquishing some control in certain areas. Um, but you know he's he's an incredibly intelligent guy, so he's he'll have a his plan. He'll he'll know what he's doing, you know, as he interacts with these guys. And I need to get like um, some sort of like Biggie themed Brooklyn gear. You know what I mean? Like they've got to release something like something with Biggie tied into the you know Brooklyn net. Like that's and I'm gonna buy something <laughs> like that. Am I wrong? They need some Biggie stuff. Yeah. Love it. You're rolling. You drop the kids at school. You're on your way to work. And five artists pop up for you. What are you spinning? What do you got on the Spotify, man? What are you bumping? I'm a little bit all over the place. I love classic rock. One of my favorite bands is the band. Uh, I just finished reading the Robbie Robertson um, autobiography, which is an incredible book. Um, Coldplay, depending on my mood.
throw in some Dr. Dre. Right, so yeah, it's, uh, it's really dependent on kind of the energy that I'm that I'm uh, looking for. Fair, get it. I totally get it. On top of that, you like stop at the store. You're gonna grab a bag of chips. What are they? Uh, taco flavored Doritos. Ooh, <laughs> like the the uh, the. Uh, the Arriba ones? Yes. The old Dutch ones? Those Yeah, the yes. Arriba. The Arriba. Yeah, those are my, yeah. The taco yeah. flavored. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Hey, we have a first. Yeah. Also a great choice, if I might say. Like great flavor. Well done. They go well with Slurpees. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> okay. All right. Side note. Slurpee. What flavor Slurpee? Cream soda? Cream soda. Mixed with uh, Pepsi or Coke. Yes. My man. My man. <laughs> Love it, man. Last question before you go. This has been awesome. If you could do it all again, you would. You would what? Sorry. Hmm. That's a good one. If I were to do it all again, I would... I I would take uh, a music major in university. Hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd major in music. Oh, okay. Um, composing music or playing? Yeah, I mean I, anything to do with uh, music. You know, one of my most uh, enjoyable classes uh, I took as an elective was um, music uh, appreciation course, which was classical based. So cool. That's definitely the most random reflection we've had. I love it, man. That's great. No, that's dope. That's super dope. That's amazing. Are you sure? Are you sure it wouldn't be going back and working on your tennis game? Because I hear oh my goodness, it's not going well against Latch and 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 Matt Anthony. I'm just you know I've just been reading online some stories about your matches. Okay, and, okay. Well, like, you know I think they they certainly have been um, owning Domini the last month and a half or so uh but you know this, it's a marathon it's not a sprint right so yeah. absolutely we'll get our we'll get our we'll have our time uh, ask me again in in a couple months okay done for sure uh <laughs> so good man <laughs> any last shout outs or kind of stories comments you feel like you didn't get out there or any any last reflections before we let you go on your way tonight well, I know my girls are going to be listening to this one day, so I want to shout out to Kenzie of Brooklyn. Love you, girls. And thanks so much, Mitch and awesome. Corbs, for having me on. Um, really appreciate it and, and enjoyed the last hour and a half with you guys. Honestly, Jerry, our pleasure, man. Um, you're just like a humble, such a, you know, like, I don't know. It's hard to put you in words, man, but, you know, you're someone that I think a lot of us appreciate, and I know you've impacted so many people's lives, and, you continue to do great things and, and, um, you know, we're connected in so many different ways and it was absolutely our pleasure to have you on, uh, this episode. And we were glad that we finally got to sit down with you. So be well, take care of each other. Happy holidays and all the best, man. Thanks, Mitch. Appreciate you too. You bet. Don't forget to like subscribe, shout out to Parkside, good lad clothing. Love y'all be well, and we'll see you on the next episode. 